On today's episode of Sports Medicine Weekly, Dr. Brian Cole and I discuss icing a pitcher's arm. Is icing a pitcher's arm every time one throws effective? And how important is the time that you ice? We'll go back in history to see how this all got started and what the latest is. It's a dynamic topic today on our Sports Medicine Weekly podcast episode. But first, hey, warm weather is here. Time to get outside, enjoy your favorite activities, and spend precious time with family and friends. Aches, pains, or an injury should not be part of the memories you're making. The therapists at Rush Physical Therapy are here for you. With more than 60 locations throughout greater Chicagoland, Rush's clinical experts will get you back to life. Go to RushPT.com today to schedule an appointment. Not sure of physical therapy? is right for you request a complimentary consultation and discover the power of rush physical therapy today another one of our sponsors is karen malkin and she makes some incredible protein brownie bar and superfood bars best tasting bars on the market certified gluten-free paleo and no added sugar karen's protein brownie bars and superfood bars available on amazon and at karenmulkin.com. Okay, Dr. Cole, for decades, ice packs have been tightly wrapped to the shoulders of little leaguers and big leaguers alike since that pivotal moment in sports medicine history when L.A. Dodgers pitcher Sandy Koufax appeared in a 1965 Sports Illustrated photo with his legendary left arm submerged in a tub of ice. So for uh, the last five decades or so, Um, No piece of published peer-reviewed research has shown definitively that ice is beneficial to the healing process. Maybe that's arguable. I want to get your thought on that. In fact, science proves the opposite. Ice delays healing, increases swelling, can cause additional damage to healthy tissue. This is what someone wrote on the internet, and uh, I've been uh, doing a lot of research on this, and that's kind of the way it's going. And you've got young little leaguers, including my son who's 14, and his uh, travel team talking about this subject. They want to know. Boy, after I throw 30, 40, 50, 60, we had a kid on the other team throw 100 pitches in a tournament uh, in one game last weekend. Um, what should they too do? Is it pain? Is it soreness? And do you ice? So, you know, it's a fascinating uh We've been doing this for decades, as you pointed out, and uh, we it becomes a routine that often just doesn't get challenged until more recently. And I, I do think it's a worthy discussion. You know, there when you look to the literature and look at the research that's been done, I think the first thing is, that, Steve, that it's a very hard thing to study because overuse, delayed onset muscle soreness, inflammation, and so forth. Mostly, when we do science, we start with animal models. And then we try to extend it to clinical studies. And there's a paucity of really good literature because there's so many independent variables that are asking and that are they're being evaluated. And I'll tell you that there really is limited evidence that supports that ice will aid in recovery time. Um, I think, you know, your points that you brought up are a good one. I will tell you that there are some systematic reviews, which is where we look at all the literature, the best literature, and it really points to no or very marginal benefit related to recovery. Um, there's a few studies with very small sample uh, size, small numbers, that show that there might be some benefit uh, after exercise when using sort of local cryo or cold therapy uh, or associated with light exercise. And that's where the rub is, is that um, we where there's some data showing that we re- think about recovery. We used to think about ice and cold baths and so forth, but there's also... Th- activity that you do, light exercise, a jog, things of that nature, 
that may make a difference. And I think the fundamental issue is what ice does maybe, and this is even not well shown, is it might reduce perfusion or blood flow into an area. And when there's injury, uh, blood flow is what's associated with inflammation and swelling. So ice and injury is, I think, pretty clearly uh, associated with a beneficial impact uh, of the ice at the time of an acute injury. So sharp pain, muscle sprain, strain, things of that nature, uh, lig- uh, ankle sprains, all of that. I am a firm believer that ice is critical because uh, while inflammation is really, in effect, healing, the swelling can be very disabling. And um, ice can reduce swelling with local treatment. Uh, that's different than a baseball pitcher who is trying to reduce soreness and it often can create stiffness, actually, and, 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 and not necessarily make things better. And there's not a lot of data that shows that, uh, for example, there was one study uh, that was called a crossover study where they looked at some Division three pitchers and they saw some recovery and strength and soreness the first two days following a game when using frozen gel packs compared to doing nothing. But they were really, it was only 16 pitchers, you know. So it's so hard to... Uh, to make conclusions on that. Um, there was another study in elite soccer players that found the gel packs maybe um, uh, attenuated the strength loss uh, compared to not using uh, gel packs uh, within days of a match. So the, the objective really is to try to prevent delayed onset muscle soreness and to speed recovery. But people have to keep in mind there's lots of other things that people can do for recovery, such as massage, uh, a low level or a different type of exercise, things of that nature. And I think what is clear, if you look at the basic science, um, that uh, we think ice can reduce swelling in in the setting of injury. uh, And it can reduce the inflammatory response in the setting of injury. But arguably, throwing a baseball a hundred times is not necessarily injury and rather but rather you're using muscles and there's that risk of delayed onset muscle soreness and then you're looking at recovery times no matter how you do it if you think ice is the right thing to do steve um it's got to be used properly and it when you're around nerves sort of uh so to speak so at elbow icing you got to be very careful because you have the funny bone nerve the ulnar nerve along the inner side of the elbow and you could literally cause you know, nerve-type symptoms in the hand and the wrist um, if you're icing around the elbow for a prolonged period of time. Similarly, in the shoulder, packing a nice, we see it after the games, all the players do, we have in the training room, 20 minutes or less, not 40 minutes, not an hour, not just putting it on and getting comfortable with it and just leaving it there. So doing it properly when you decide to do it is also equally critical. Yeah, that's why sometimes we see um, uh, major league pitchers when they're at the podium addressing the media, they might have a timer. Uh, they've got a big ice pack on their shoulder, you know, wrapped and uh, and on the arm, and um, they're looking for exactly 15, 20 minutes. Uh, I've always heard 20 minutes as well. Let me take you back in time. Dr. Cole, have you ever heard of a Harvard physician, Dr. Gabe Merkin? I have not. Okay. Um, it being written that um, the procedure for injury management was cemented in 1978 when this uh, Harvard physician, Dr. Gabe Merkin, invented the RICE protocol, the acronym, of course, standing for rest, ice, compression, and elevation. We've talked about that numerous times in our podcast, but Merkin, now 85 years old, says he was wrong about rest and ice. He blogs and speaks on the topic, he even wrote the foreword to research Gary Reynolds' 2013 self-published book, Iced 
the illusionary treatment option, which is the Bible of the anti-ice movement. Let me add this. New research now shows rest and ice actually delay healing and recovery, Merkin believes. We now know inflammation brings the chemicals your body needs to heal, and when you ice, you dampen the immune response and delay healing. Ice temporarily relieves pain, so you think you're recovering faster, but science has shown you are not. Do you believe that? I actually think that's a rational statement, and I would argue that it's it's probably pretty correct. So you're you're fighting the I this I I personally believe it's the balance between the inhibitory effects of potentially of the immune response, but you're not talking about doing it for days. You're talking about doing it for 20 minutes after an injury. So in theory, he's correct, but in reality, I don't know that that's correct. I would argue that injury injury true injury leads to significant often a hematoma collection of blood and swelling and the swelling can be disabling in and of itself so i would argue that it's a balance i would say that you don't put your limb on ice and try to create your you know your piece of hamburger that's in the freezer but you're 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 doing it to reduce some of the swelling but you still you're still going to get an inflammatory response and you're not exactly cutting off the blood flow so i think it speaks to the fact that you have to differentiate injury from soreness and overuse and what your goals are so I would to, to come to the conclusion that after an injury that ice has no role, I'm not sure I would subscribe to, but to uh, but, but at the same time to say that it's going to promote healing and shorten recovery, I think Merkin's statement is correct. It doesn't necessarily uh, promote healing. It might it might or could inhibit at least if you think about the in science, the science and you have an intuitive conclusion based upon the science. You want inflammation. You want to bring sort of the proteins that your body uses in the acute inflammatory response. Healing is this trajectory, Steve, of sort of inflammation and then uh, remodeling and then restoration of normal tissue that can take weeks, actually. So I would argue that icing throughout the entire course of injury recovery is probably not something you'd want to do. I would at least be um, uh, uh, someone who believes that at least after an acute injury, when you're trying to control pain and swelling, ice is very rational and very, very reasonable. But prolonged use of it, I would probably say after injury has uh, a less important role than once believed. Okay, Dr. Cole, um, I want to ask you about what you do with your White Sox pitchers, because you are one of the team physicians with the Chicago White Sox, A and B. What alternative is there if you don't ice? Because um, I've read about some of these major league pitchers, what they do. So I want to share that. But first, Midwest Orthopedics at Rush, one of our sponsors, is something you can't find anywhere else. The number one ranked orthopedic and spine care in Illinois. When it comes to diagnosing and addressing your pain, their team of orthopedic providers is focused on giving you the most effective treatments to help you feel and function better. And with access to their orthopedic and spine experts conveniently located in six Chicagoland area locations, it's easier than ever to get you back to leading a full active life. Visit RushOrtho.com to learn more and find a specialist. Also want to thank JRF Ortho. They partner with orthopedic surgeons to improve the quality of life of patients by enabling them to have an active life through the generous gift of cartilage and ligament transplantation. Please go to JRFOrtho.org to learn more or sign up to be a tissue donor at Donate Life. 
dot net. Okay, Dr. Cole, so we're talking a great topic right here. Uh, when do you ice? Do you ice? Should pitchers ice? Should softball pitchers ice? Major League pitchers? Little League pitchers? Uh, tell me about the Chicago White Sox. Uh, is there a standard protocol for uh, your starters, your relief pitchers? What do you guys do in the clubhouse after a guy pitches? So these, these um, guys are not going in the training room after pitching and putting ice on and going home. What's amazing is a lot of them start to do their workout after the game and they're exercising and they're getting massage therapy. So ice is a part of it, but it's not the main thing. Um, in the, and you see them being active. Uh, and I think that's probably one of the best things you can do to maintain fitness, but also to stave off this, this delayed onset muscle soreness. So going from 100 miles an hour to zero is not the right idea. So this, this going for a run, getting on a bike, uh, the sort of de-escalation uh, to help normalize your physiology after being active in an intense, at an intense level, I think makes a whole lot of sense, and that's often what's going on. Yeah, I wanted to get to that because um, uh, it's interesting that uh, one of the pitchers that um, I read who talked about this, a, a former major league pitcher, uh, said, what is a good alternative to icing? Tried to answer this question. Uh, and this person says, when your arm is tired after throwing, one of the best things you can do is run. He personally will run several foul poles immediately after he pitches. Then he'll run a few miles on the treadmill the day after. This helps circulate the blood throughout the body and through the shoulder, delivering the much needed nutrients to where they are needed the most. So the next time you finish pitching, don't necessarily grab the ice bag, do some light running the day of and the following day and see if you feel any better. Do you believe in that? Okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's good stuff. It really is. Um, and then I want to uh, also add this. Uh, this kind of jumped out at me um, doing a little studying on this topic. Two-time Cy Young winner, Corey Kluber does light resistance exercises that target his rotator cuff muscles. He follows with 30 to 60 minutes on a Mark Pro, an e-stim device that creates non-fatiguing uh, contractions to further pump out waste. In fact, Kluber hasn't iced his arm since he made the big leagues, despite throwing more than 200 innings in five of his nine MLB seasons. He says, ice made me feel stiff, like I was wasting my first 10 or 15 throws the next day trying to get loose. Without ice, He's at the point, he says, when he starts uh, so he can throw with more intent. So um, a lot of uh, interesting discussion on this because uh, before this, I always thought, you know, boy, you got to ice for 20 minutes. But um, there's a lot of uh, interesting uh, kind of, you know, arrows that go in different ways with this. Right, Dr. Cole? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm glad people are being critical about it and actually actually asking the players how they feel because there's such a knee-jerk response to do this. But, you know, we're always trying to use science and this translational research model where we can take, you know, our intuition, we can take scientific investigation, including animal models, and then actually do some clinical study to see if we're doing the right thing. You're talking about, you know, a, a, you know when you, the, the market cap in sports is a billion dollar industry. Anything we can do to harness our body's biology in a proper way has a huge impact on injury prevention, recovery, and and ultimately, you know, on the economics, which, you know, people are obviously very cognizant of. So this is, it's not a small topic. It's an inexpensive modality, but arguably it does, I think this amount of thought that's going into it, differentiating, for example, an injury from overuse 
and actually asking what your goals are and then using it properly are probably the key aspects of when you're considering to use ice uh, after a sporting activity or not. And one final thing to put into perspective, uh, I, this really uh, was interesting when I read this. Um, someone says, treat the shoulder as any other muscle in the body. After you do bicep curls, do you normally ice your biceps? Of course not. Are your biceps sore after a workout? Usually. So that kind of puts it into perspective. But let's give a takeaway, Dr. Cole. Okay, for the for the Little League pitcher out there, again, I saw a 14-year-old throw over 100 pitchers last weekend. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I, I, I still think that's too much. And we've talked about that before. But um, would you suggest maybe trying the ice uh, for, again, no more than 20 minutes and then one day maybe not trying the ice and going for a run? Is that our takeaway? Yeah, I would rather see someone do. Well, uh, let's just say the answer is if you want to see the difference um, and, you know, inter- intra-subject difference, intra-player difference, I think that's a great idea. You could take them and say, you know, I'm gonna get, you're going to do 20 minutes of ice today and then next week or whenever you're going to pitch again next day or <laughs> unfortunately in some cases, um, you are going to do some stretching. Um, some plyometrics, uh, maybe go for a run, get on a bike for 20 minutes. And let's see how you feel. Let's see what the difference is. Great stuff. Awesome, Dr. Cole. We appreciate it. We hope everyone enjoyed today's Sports Medicine Weekly episode. Be sure to add the Sports Medicine Weekly podcast to your playlist on Apple and Spotify. Listen in anytime, anyplace. It's the beauty of podcasts, everybody. Subscribe to the Sports Medicine Weekly podcast. New Sports Medicine Weekly podcasts are shared weekly on social media. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And our website is Sports medicineweekly.com. One final mention to one of our great sponsors, Vericell. They develop, manufacture, and market autologous cell-based therapies for patients with serious diseases and conditions. For more information about their products, visit vcell, V-C-E-L.com. For Dr. Brian Cole and our producer, Alex Soroka, I'm Steve Cash, and thanks so much for joining us, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this edition of our Sports Medicine Weekly Podcast. <laughs>